Welcome back. We are glad you are with us. We're about 15 minutes away. Mike Clement's going to be joining us. Final hour of the program. Final hour this week. And uh, then we uh, head out to uh, head out to Las Vegas, and we're looking forward to that. 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. You want to find us? Dave says, uh, after listening to Brian Gutekinds yesterday, I have a lot of confidence in this team. I'm just wondering about the new hire as the defensive coordinator. Is he going to have enough experience and enough chops to be able to run a big-time defense? Uh, Dave, I hope. I hope. I look. I, I think that's the question we all have. I'm there. There's nothing new here, you know. Uh, nothing like that. I just. I. I think that uh, they're taking a shot, and you hope that it pans out. I mean, that's all we can do. Um, I know that I was looking at some of the, some of the more likely candidates that are still out there. A guy like Ron Rivera. It's kind. Of, isn't it kind of interesting, Grant, that Ron Rivera has not got more run? You know what I mean. Yeah, but you could say that about a lot of guys. I think that's the the reality we always forget about in these hiring cycles is we always assume that yeah. certain guys will have a job and then they usually don't right away at least. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting that uh, I thought Ron Rivera. Now the discussion about Bill Belichick, I understand. It's I was. Were you excited to see Bill Belichick go in a different direction? I guess it doesn't really matter. I think the Patriots are a brutal watch no matter who's coaching them. So, I mean, they don't have a quarterback. They don't have any good a play. Well, no, but offense. weren't you were you looking forward to seeing Bill Belichick maybe be the next coach of either Dallas or Washington or or one of these other teams like, you know, I I'm not look, we all kind of figured Harbaugh was going to go it was either going to be Harbaugh or Belichick going to the Chargers because they need to sell tickets and they need a lot of optimism and hope out there because they're the bastard stepchild inside that SoFi Stadium. But didn't you think that that Bill Belichick would have ended up somewhere? And I was excited to see if Belichick ended up somewhere else, if he's going to be able to win there. You know what I mean? Yeah, it would have been fun to watch. I'm not someone that needs to see Belichick go prove it somewhere else. Like I, I know he's a good coach. There's there's no right. There's no I don't know. There's no unknown. Right. I've seen a lot of people. He needs to prove it without Brady. No, I I don't know. He's fine. No. He's no. One, that's what, like saying Lombardi needed to tr- prove it without Star. Yeah. You know what I mean? Same thing. Did, did Lombardi win a championship anywhere else but with the Packers? And I I should know this, and it's terrible that I don't, but did, did he? Do you know? I definitely don't know this. Uh, I, I, I'll look it up just to have some frame of reference, but yeah, I'll look it I, up. I, I want to say he didn't, but I don't know for sure. I, I, I couldn't honestly tell you. So I don't want to say something and trip over my own, my own self-ignorance, but I don't think he did. I don't think – I don't think – Vince Lombardi um, went anywhere else, uh, you know, after his time with the Packers or prior to his time with the Packers and won championships. I think his championships, his legacy um, is in Green Bay. So to me, it's the equivalent. Do you diminish what Lombardi did because Bart Starr was that good or those teams were that good? No, of course not. So I would not diminish Bill Belichick and what he did prior to or after because he was winning with um before Brady uh and God his name escapes me off the top of my head um but he uh, Bledsoe Drew Bledsoe so he was winning with Bledsoe and they were on their way deep into the postseason you know before Brady had to take over because of Bledsoe and the injury so I I think Belichick was on his way to building teams and winning with teams the problem with, with Bill Belichick versus Vince Lombardi, Vince Lombardi came when he went to the Redskins, and then were the Redskins, now the Commanders. When he went to the Redskins, 
he had the reputation, but he was coming to the end, and we all knew that. Um, but with Bill Belichick, he's also he's kind of coming to the end. But Belichick is bringing all the baggage as well. All the baggage. He wants. It's not just about being the general manager and, and picking the talent. He wants staff. He wants. He wanted to bring staff from New England, secretaries, you know, film room guys. I mean, everything. So when they and that was the rumor. I was reading some stuff from D. Orlando Ledbetter that Belichick, uh, with the Atlanta Journal Constitution, that Belichick wanted to blow out like thirty people right now in the organization, like thirty guys, thirty women. Whatever they were going to lose their jobs, and in favor of Bill Belichick's people, and it's not just coaches, and they weren't. They were like, no, no, we're not, we're not going to do that. Um, you know, so, uh, and and I going back to the to, you know, Coach Lombardi. Coach Lombardi went to Washington. And correct me if I'm wrong. I think Coach Lombardi, I mean, he was sick. He got sick right after that, and then cancer got him. So I don't even think he had a career really, if you want to call it that, prior or after. His uh, coaching stint in Green Bay, I think he left Green Bay, went to Washington, got sick, and then that was pretty much it, unfortunately. So it's a little bit different scenario, obviously. But I just I think Bill is, is still a quality coach, and Bill Belichick was not going to swallow his pride and just be a coach, which I think is also probably what led to his, his sayonara from New England. And again, I said this with, with Belichick, as much as I wanted to see him coach somewhere else, uh, and I'm if he never could, then we will always remember Bill Belichick as the head coach of the New England Patriots, and forget about that goofy time that he had when he was wearing that giant pumpkin sweater uh, with Nick Saban and the guys uh, over in Cleveland. It, it just it <laughs> that was just a kind of a weak memory, right? Same thing with Lombardi going to Washington, but Belichick, I I wanted to see if he could get this record, but nobody's going to take a chance on a guy that's 71 years old, wants all of his own people. You know he's only building for the next two or three years, and then it's out. And then you've got to start everything all over again in a three-year period of time because he's not going to coach past 75. He gets that record, hits 75 years old, he's done. And I think he's his own worst enemy. Had he just wanted to be the coach somewhere, I think he's the coach somewhere. If coaching is just – if it's just about coaching, but it's not. It's about ego and reputation with Bill and – I guess if I'm him, why would I settle for anything less? I've made tons of money. I've won a ton of championships. I've got a great reputation. For Bill, it was the personal of I want to I want to surpass Don Shula because he's so close to that record. Uh, 877-867-1670, Yeah, Scott says uh, that Lombardi. Yeah, he said he coached one more season, and then he ended up passing away before the second season of Washington. So there you go. I, you know, people, it was the same with Brady. It's like, well, I, I need to see you win it. Without Belichick, I need to see you win one without Brady. Right. Nobody wins a championship by themselves. That's not how right. it works, right? And Brady so, wasn't going to win it without Gronk. Yeah, Gronk was there. Antonio Brown. That defense right. was. Go back and watch highlights of that Super Bowl against Mahomes and what right. the defense did. So, no one wins championships alone. So the yeah. sooner we start realizing that, the the quicker we can move past the. Well, he's got to go somewhere right. else and do it or do it with somebody. Nah, it's fine. Belichick's legacy is fine for me. Scott brings up a good point. He says, uh, Belichick, do you think he could wind up in KC if Andy Reid retires after the Super Bowl? I. I don't know. That's a great question. I mean, you already have everything in place down there. Soren Petro told us on Monday. Reed's going to do this as long as he can do it. I don't right. think Andy Reed's stopping anytime soon. Yeah, I think Andy Reed. I, I if I'm Andy Reed, I've got a few more seasons left in me for sure. But if Andy Reed can still walk the sidelines, I think he's going to do it. But 
what if Andy Reid wins again? That'll be, what, his third Super Bowl in five years. And the, what was that, the fifth that he's appeared in? Man, imagine that. Imagine that. Holy mackerel. You talk about a run. Um, but no, I don't think Bill Belichick would do that. You know what could make sense is for Belichick sitting out one year and for the little bit of salvo that that Jerry Jones threw over the bow when he was at the meetings, uh, or not the meetings, the uh, Senior Bowl practices, when he said, yeah, he could work with Bill Belichick. Let's just say, again this year, Dallas goes 12 wins and they're a quick exit in the postseason. I could see Jerry firing Mike and bringing in Belichick for two or three years. I could see him doing that. Absolutely. Because maybe he's just thinking, look, we got the team. We got the team. Throw him, throw him in there. Get Bill Belichick for a couple of years. Get a championship. And then everybody rides off into the sunset. Yeah, I could see that. That's a good, that's a good point. The other question is, is with Dak, and I mentioned this yesterday, I don't think I ever really got to it. You got Micah Parsons criticizing him. You got other players uh, and their family members that have, and players inside the locker room haven't criticized Dak, but they haven't necessarily come to his defense either. But, and the whole argument is, is, well, Dak should take his ball and go home. And he, you know, he's got the power. He's got the leverage. He should demand a trade and get out of there. Here's the, here's the thing. They're not wrong. Dak is a terrific regular season quarterback. If you look at his numbers in a postseason, he's a couple of wins better than Kirk Cousins. I mean, think about that for a minute. He's only got a couple wins more than Kirk Cousins, who has one win in the postseason. I think Dak has three. That's it. And Dak is not good in the postseason. So Dak can take his ball and go anywhere he wants to go, but everybody now looks at Dak and says, your numbers aren't good in the postseason. You seem to have that inexplicable pick in the middle of a game at any point in time. You choke. And until you get to a, uh, a Super Bowl to prove that you can get through an NFC championship run, it's always going to be Dak is a great regular season quarterback. Kirk Cousins is a great regular season quarterback. Doesn't win in the postseason. Same thing, you know? And I don't think that's very, I don't think that's very far-fetched. I think that's – so for everything that they're saying in Dallas that uh, the family members are starting to leak out, it, I'm sure it's stuff that's been said behind closed doors. So, yeah, if you, you look at Dak Prescott, yeah, you can take your ball and go home and you can demand a trade and take your $50 million and not negotiate and all that kind of stuff. That's great. But you're, nobody's wrong. Nobody's wrong. And if you're going to demand this $59 million this year, then all you're doing is looking to make the money and you're not looking to win games because you're not. You're not going to. You're not going to get that extra player or two that's going to help you out and put you over the top to get you deeper into the postseason. If anything, you're going to have to cut some people because they have to make room for that ginormous salary. So you, they, you know the contract extension is coming. But much like Rodgers, I don't, I don't ever begrudge a player for getting the most they possibly can. But once you've got gotten the big deal and you've got now generational money, I mean, I'm talking two and three generations of your family are set for life. Once you have that, why in the world do you need to be the highest paid player again? You haven't won anything. You haven't gotten to a Super Bowl. Hell, for the most part, you haven't gotten to an NFC Championship game. And you got, what, two, three more wins 
in the postseason to Kirk Cousins, but you deserve all the money. You're not, you, you don't have any rings to show for it. So if I'm those family members, if I'm players in that locker room thinking about that, I'm like, yeah, Dak, why would you take all the money? And Jerry, why would you pay him? Why, why would Jerry Jones pay him that amount of money? And why don't you say, nah, forget it. Forget it. Not doing it. We'll start over. We'll find a different quarterback. Because Dak's not the guy. And until he proves he can, he can. Every, just like Lamar Jackson, same thing. Everybody talked about Lamar needing that game, needing to get to a Super Bowl. Yeah, Lamar, same thing. Now, Lamar didn't play a terrible game, but he threw two inexplicable picks in the red zone, in the end zone. Same thing. Need to get past those humps. And he just got paid. He just got paid big time. And they they didn't pay him to do that. That's for damn sure. Uh, Let's do this. Mike Clemens is going to join us coming up next. Uh, Don't go anywhere. Stay right where you're at. More than Bill Mike. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. I grew up in Connecticut, and then I played uh, my high school ball in Massachusetts, and I played, obviously, at Boston College for three years. And so I'm used to the cold. I'm used to uh, the rough, tough uh, people that we got up in this area. And, you know, I'm used to uh, just I can, you know, grind it out in the cold weather, the rain, the sleet, the hail. So, uh, you know, I, I uh, it's kind of like home in a way. Welcome back. Good to have you. Bill Michaels show. We continue on and uh, joining us now on the hotline, our guy, Mike Clemens, uh, here with us. And uh, Mike, um, you know, obviously a lot of excitement for the new defensive coordinator and to what he may or may not be able to do. But uh, but boy, uh, it's at least an exciting time. He's not Joe Barry. I mean, a lot of people just want to see Joe Barry out the door. So uh, so now we wait and see uh, what he can do, you know. Yeah, and the the topic here, the category here on Jeopardy is uh, Boston College and Green Bay, uh, connections (laughs) between there. Because when you start digging and saying, well, why did this guy go here, and what was his background, and and all that. First of all, there's A.J. Dillon uh, coming out of the break, uh, a great product, uh, Quadzilla out of Boston College, second-round pick for the Packers. And so this is my my life, right? It's like um, I haven't really thought much about Boston. I happen to be watching a Boston College game because Jeff Jagosinski, a guy, a guy I covered here in Green Bay, was mm-hmm. now the head coach. And like, man, that quarterback looks really good. Well, his name was Matt Ryan, right? Uh, right. And and now, uh, you know, because of kind of the extended season or whatever, I'm I'm in the room here in Green Bay. I'm on my way over to go to cover practice or so, and. I, uh, uh, I the TV's on, and it's that last week between Christmas and New Year's, and there's constantly bowl games. And I'm looking at the same one. Okay, what the hell is this one? The Wasabi Fenway Bowl. Oh, yeah, I've heard they play, they play a bowl game in Fenway Park where the Red Sox are. Who is it? It's Boston College and SMU. And the game is wrapping up, and they're, they're all excited that the home team, Boston College, with your new defensive coordinator, was the head coach. They beat the SMU Mustangs. And I, I made a note, oh, they beat him 23-14. Oh, how about that? So then practice ends, and A.J. Dillon is walking by. I said, hey, breaking news for you. I said, at the Wasabi Fenway Bowl, Boston College goes, yeah, I know, 23-14. Like, how did you know that? He goes, I looked it up on my phone coming back from practice, you know, before you even <laughs> hit the showers. Right. Like, well, that's cool. Like, oh, yeah, no, man, I follow my Eagles. Yeah, I follow my Eagles. Okay, all right, okay, good, cool. There you go. Cool. 
So just these little connections like that. Right. And then, you know, I always think about Jags because in 2006 you had an exciting period there where Mike Sherman had been let go and Mike McCarthy comes in. And he's trying to save Brett Favre's career after a horrible 2005 where they were like 4-12. and 12. And so he had one of the things he had gone was, was uh, um, uh, Green, you know, uh, running at Amon Green at Amon running Green, back. Yeah. So McCarthy says, all right, this is my first head coaching job. I'll take care of the passing game and Brett Favre. And we've got to get a, a, a running game going. And I really like this zone run offense. It comes from Mike Shanahan, Denver. Alex Grimm was a coach uh, with the Atlanta Falcons. And this Jeff Jagosinski guy was an offense. He'd learned that zone, that Denver zone running scheme, under this Alex Grimm guy who'd gone from Denver over to the Atlanta Falcons. So Jags comes to Green Bay. He runs that. It took him about half the season before they popped one for 75 yards down in Miami against the Dolphins. Now, Jagosinski, he grows up in West Dallas, he plays uh, and coaches running backs at the UW Whitewater, and you know within and he had a cup of coffee with the Packers as the tight end coach with the Falcons and all, and now after that first successful year of turning the Packers around eight and eight, he gets a head coaching job in Boston College because this guy wants to be on the. He told me I'm going to be an NFL coach in five years. Okay, Jags. He, Jags was crazy. He'd run up and down the hallway, very enthusiastic. Uh, but it's like, uh, you might just want to stay here with Mac and, and stay in Green Bay. He goes to Boston College, and guess who he inherits? Matt Ryan and a mm. great lineup. So yeah. he looks like gold for the next two years. Matt Ryan leaves Boston College, gets drafted by the Falcons, and who's his quarterback coach? Matt LaFleur. Matt LaFleur. Gotcha. So he's working with this guy from Boston College, right? And meanwhile, Jags, he goes – he drives it right off the, the deep end, man. He, in two years at Boston College, he thought he was such hot blank, you know, right? that he, he uh, the New York Jets have got an open job. And Boston College says, whoa, wait a minute, you're under a five-year contract. You will not go talk to the Jets. Your contract says you're staying right here, pal. He ignores it, and he goes up there and interviews, and he thinks he's getting his job. They hire Rex Ryan the next day, oh. and he comes back to Boston College. They fire him the next day. <laughs> and he, he never had I mean he was with the Buccaneers and a couple other teams you know right. uh, he was last time I saw he was with Ave Maria College as a receivers coach in Florida Notre Dame High School in Tennessee and the Renegades some USFL team or something I mean he just never heard from him wow. again just gone. So, so the question is did you just hire the next Jags or did you hire a guy that's you know on the right path sure so, so you know this this new defensive coordinator, who's leaving Boston College, in part because of the NIL stuff, and the transfer portal is driving these coaches in college nuts. And a lot of them, according to the New York Post this morning, are saying they're getting out of college, but they went back into the NFL. This is not what you know they signed up for. Right. And so he gets this job. Now he just did this interview about three or four weeks ago, where he his path sounds exactly like Matt Lafleur, and Robert Sala from the Jets, those two guys when they got into the Texans as these as these quality control guys, these GAs they call them that you know get paid minimum wage, but just to get on the field with an NFL team. And it turns out that Dave Wanstad, the former Bears and Dolphins coach, gave him a break at Pitt. This is his story. 
you know, I had a chance to be a graduate assistant at Pitt, and I think it was 2006. Paul Rhodes was the coordinator. He's now on our staff. Yeah. It was cool. I got to hire him back. He's yeah. probably one of my biggest mentors. He hired me to be a GA, and uh, we had a pretty good player there named Darrell Rivas. <laughs> so I thought I really knew how to coach corners. <laughs> yeah. Just turns out he was really he was good. Rivas. I found out I had a lot of work to do when he left. Yeah. But Paul left and went to Auburn as a defensive coordinator. Coach Wanstead, who is, in my opinion, one of the greatest human beings and greatest coaches I've ever been around, at like 24 years old, he hired me to be the DB coach. Mm. You want to talk about a break? That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, he took a chance on me, who was a young GA sleeping in my office and mm. just trying to do everything he could. He called me in and said, hey, we're going to hire you to coach DBs. And I remember calling home and, you know, I was sleeping under my desk, like eating peanut butter out of a jar because you couldn't, <laughs> you know, you couldn't afford <laughs> yeah. anything as a GA. And all of a sudden you're calling your mom and dad and saying, thanks for all your help. And I, I got it, you know, yeah. like that's like, so that was like my first, like, that's my real break or else. And I'm fine. I'm coaching Division three football, thinking life is great. But that yeah. kind of propelled me. And then I got a chance to go to the NFL and stayed in the NFL and hooked on with some really good coaches. Yeah. Um, Ryan Day, one of them. We worked together for one year in San Francisco. And then he called me up out of the blue. I'm sitting eating a hamburger with my wife and kids. And he said, I got the Ohio State job. I was like, yeah, all right, sure you did. He's <laughs> like, no, I'm serious. I was like, dude, you just you just got there. You're urban yeah. there. What are you doing? He's like, no, I'm going to be the head coach. I was like, all right whatever he's like i want you to come with me i was like i'm not coming <laughs> um but then he gave me a break right yeah. i hadn't coordinated before gave me a chance to do that and and then good players yeah. like i'd be crazy to tell you that i went to ohio state and you know we took over a defense that wasn't very good and i just magically i mean i've been around good players i mean yeah. i coached revis and ronde barber who were two hall of famers ronde yeah. taught me as much about the nickel position as yeah. any coach and um and then I, yeah, you get Chase Young and Jeff Akut, and you get great players, and you coach them yeah. up, and you teach them. And but I've gotten breaks from coaches. I've gotten breaks by coaching great players. I got the opportunity to coach Richard Sherman and mm -hmm. learn more from how to play zone coverage from that guy, and just listening to him than I did from any coach. Man, what a what a story! You know, I just uh, it, you talk about a guy that one is a gym rat and, and like an X's and O's guy living in the office, and two, it just sounds passionate and understands the rungs of the ladder. You know what I mean? Bill, I've been digging up, you know, interviews, press conferences, trying to watch some of their games from Boston College. Matt LaFleur has hired his clone. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Really good I mean, way to put really? It. Yeah. 44 years old, wife, two kids, uh, and, and style of coaching as well. I mean, those words that you just heard, this is what this guy is saying in the job interviews, okay? And, and he's worked for Robert Salah. That's Matt LaFleur's best man, his best friend, the head coach of the Jets now when they were with the 49ers. You know, Mike McDaniel, now head coach of the Dolphins. These guys all know this guy from Boston College, head coach. Oh, Adam Stenovich was an assistant offensive line coach with the 49ers. Now Matt LaFleur's offensive coordinator. They know this guy. They know this guy. So even though LaFleur may not be one of them, He's got so much information on this guy before he even picks up the phone and calls him and says, hey, right. would you be interested in the defensive coordinator job in Green Bay? What is Jeff Halfley's style then as a, pretty much a secondary coach, you know, like, like dealing with a, a kid when he starts out taking over the program at Boston College? Oh, that's a great question. Um, well, obviously, schemes are big, yeah. right? I felt the biggest thing for me was at the time talking to the players I wanted to bring some confidence to them, yeah. and I wanted them to enjoy the game. 
Yeah. And I think everywhere that I've been, it's a game. You got to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. You got to enjoy practice. Yeah. You got to play with confidence. I don't want guys playing scared. I didn't want them playing tentative because they were afraid to make mistakes. I didn't yeah. want coaches just like what always bothered me was, you know, a DB gets beat on a goal ball and you start yelling and screaming at him. Go, yeah. go coach him. Tell him yeah. why. Ask him what he saw. Yeah. Ask him about his first step. Yeah. Ask him what he did at the top of the route, what the split was, and then tell him what he should do better. Because even when I got to Ohio State, I tried to instill that mentality right away where don't be afraid to make mistakes. That's why you practice. Yeah. Go as hard as you can within the coaching. And if you make a mistake, we'll fix it. That's what practice is for. Because yeah. when you get to a game, you, you got to be fearless and you can't be scared of anything. Yeah. And that was the biggest thing I wanted to make sure because young kids struggle with that. Mm-hmm. I remember Ohio State with Jordan Fuller, who's now the captain of the Rams, one of the first spring ball practices, he got beat on a post. He was on a middle safety, and he bit up on a play-action pass. And he kind of looked at me and started staring at me because I was standing back yeah. there. And he thought I was gonna, I found this later out. He thought I was going to just start ripping him. And I said to him, I said, hey, what would you see? I was like, I saw this. It's like, oh, don't put your eyes there. Put your eyes here. You won't see that again, right? you got to protect the post. And I yeah. like, hit him on the back of the helmet. At the end of the year, he told me that was like he's never felt so relieved and gained confidence. <laughs> and it was like, and we still joke about that, but that was the biggest thing that I wanted these guys to feel for me early on. That's that's insightful, Mike. Um, when you talk about a guy that gets it, and and instead of like screaming at a guy, he just wants to teach you. And and you know, I, I don't know just from what we understand or have learned or have heard from and about Joe Barry. I, that this guy's different in, in a you lot of different ways. About, yeah, you know the other thing about this though. This is the style of coach. This is the kind of coach the Green Bay Packers want. This is mm-hmm. what they. This is what they went out and got. You know, with Matt Lafleur uh, coming up on you know five years ago, and this is the kind of guy that they want representing you know their organization. So Matt, right. first of all, looking for a guy that can fix his defense and do a better job at in-game adjustments, and then secondly, you know he's kind of kind of answer up to the front office to say you know there's an image thing here. And, you know, we want good people that are coming through here uh, and fit just a certain more professional, more open, good at communication with everybody, not, not just, you know, his his coaches or his players, but everything else. Here's the big question, though. Is this guy going to be able to control a Jair Alexander so right. that he doesn't get himself right into suspension? Did, was Joe Barry guilty of that and not being a, more of a disciplinarian or making a connection with a, a, a team leader like a Jair Alexander. That's that's the word, that Mike. I, I That's the word, I think, is that it's not necessarily disciplinarian. It's, it's connection. Yeah. In the meantime, I know that Joe's had a couple of interviews. He had one with the Bears, I think one with the Eagles. He'll probably get hired as a linebacker coach. But Joe is still answering this question for those of us in the media. You know, we refer to that as yak, yards after catch. Okay. All right. <laughs> fine. Okay. Thanks, Coach. We, we consider that yak as watching it at times and wanting to throw up, but that's just me. Let's do this. We're going to step out and take a quick break. We're going to come back. we got a whole lot more with Mike Clemens. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael Show coming up right after this. Ready? This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Are you back to kind of what Jordan's done and what else has been built? Are you back to Super Bowl being the expectation here again? I think it always has been. I don't think it never left, you know. Um, you know, we were you know, five minutes to go in that game, and I think we were squarely thinking that's where we were headed. Welcome back. 
The words of uh, Brian Gutekinds yesterday talking to the media about uh, his team. And obviously uh, not a lot of change. I mean, change at the defensive coordinator position, obviously. But uh, for the most part, you got a few guys that probably aren't going to be here anymore. But uh, you've got a good young group, and uh, you're looking to expound upon that. And there's a lot of optimism, obviously. So now you just kind of wait and see. And, uh, you know, it's funny because all the questions this year, Mike, coming into the season were, can Jordan Love take over for Aaron Rodgers? Can they look like a team? Can he... You know, do some of the things maybe uh, the same as or better than Rodgers did when he was here. And will he look like a quarterback? He's, is he the guy of the future? And uh, for the most part, all those questions pretty much answered. Had a great session with Brian. And, you know, I can't explain it except um, there's so much optimism here. And the fog is all cleared. You know, it's like mm-hmm. everyone knows their roles. And, and I, I just can't get over and through, I don't know if it's his fault or his own, but look at this three, four-page story now coming out of New York from The Athletic. Very solid reporting, 30 different sources. They're solid sources about all the dysfunction going on with the New York Jets and at all, all, the, all the crossroads end up back to now number eight, you know, with Aaron right. Rodgers. And it's just, right. it's just so much more normal here. There's a general manager who puts together a roster – He's going in with a young player direction, like Ted Thompson. You know, stressed that you should do build teams together so they grow together, and they when they peak, they're peaking together, and you've got your shot, self a shot to get all the way through the postseason and into the big game, and and a quarterback who runs the plays that are called in his helmet. He makes the checks that the 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 offense is designed, and when he makes those checks, everybody knows what he's talking about as opposed to bringing in a veteran like Sammy Watkins, who lines up for what could be a, a winning touchdown when you've been dr- trailing the lines all. And instead, you know, Aaron Rodgers is picking up his shoulder, and he misses that. And, you know, Rodgers throws the ball to an open field when he could have gotten a touchdown and won the game. It's just it gets too complicated. you got two or mm-hmm. three different offenses going on. And so, Brian, we t- and we broke this down with Brian about, you know, boy, you know, you lost the, the Steelers game, but, boy, you know, Jordan sure looks sharper that next step. And then you get on this run where, hell, you're beating the Lions on Thanksgiving. You're beating the Chiefs uh, uh, on Sunday night football at Lambeau Field. What a tremendous game that was. And then you get deep in the play. And like he just said, hell, we were five minutes away from the next step of getting to a Super Bowl this year. Who knew that in in what was clearly a rebuilding year? So Brian was even joking around when we said, when did you know that Jordan Love was for sure the next quarterback for the Green Bay Packers? Sometime in 2019, you know. No, um, um, no. I think you got to give Jordan a lot of credit, man. He's um, what he's withstood. You know, it's, as you guys know, it's not easy what he went through the last three years, and to just kind of watch him focus on his work, get better each and every year. He was throwing some curveballs with not being able to get out there and playing preseason games and, and different things that uh, you know, no fault of his own, and. You know, take advantage of the opportunities that he had to get better each and every time, and then to see the kind of some of the rewards that he was able to kind of get to the second half of the season and really play up to um, some of his potential. He's got so much more in front of him. You know, he's got um, you know, you know, he's as as good as he played at times this year. There's just he's got a he's got um, there's a very very high upside, which is exciting for him. And I think um, again, I think one of the things that you just never know until they get out there. 
and, and handle all the things that a quarterback has to handle at the line of scrimmage and lead his football team. Mike, I, I, I want to ask something, because he had said the team came together when there was a culture shift, and he talked about that. And for as much as we didn't like the Rasul Douglas trade, was it when Rasul Douglas left, do you think? Was that the culture shift that maybe there was in sniping or something, something behind the scenes that we weren't privy to? Well, you know, the day after he sends Rasul Douglas, a guy who was speaking openly about the frustration, like, what the hell's going on with this four-game losing streak? You know, why didn't we beat the Atlanta Falcons? We could have beat that team. You know, we had that game. And, 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 and other, when they lose to the Raiders on Monday Night Football, that wasn't a very good team. Right. Josh McDaniel ends up getting fired a couple of weeks later. And Rasul Douglas, you know, was venting that frustration. I think it was his way of being a leader. And all of a sudden, in the middle of the week, he gets traded to the Buffalo Bills. And I said to Goody, can you tell me what the value of a third-round pick from the Buffalo Bills is? And he essentially said, uh, well, it's this, it's that, there's guys that we, there's needs that we have in this team moving forward, and it's a rookie contract. And he basically said it right there. Right. I, can get, I can get another Rasul Douglas for a third of the price, Okay. I, look, you know, let me introduce you to Corey Ballantyne. Now they didn't get the interceptions that they needed in the turnovers, and they're they're putting some of that probably on Joe Barry. So I asked him this. I said, you know, just like you said, did did the young guys? Because he also talked about being young now. Mid-season is no longer excuse in Green Bay. So I, I asked Gutekunst about this. Brian, the week of the trade with Buffalo, mm-hmm. you came in here and you made a strong statement. You said. Being young is not an excuse. Mm-hmm. And I think that was kind of a shift because you'd also you know, moved on with a veteran and brought in a third-round pick. But do you think that might have been a little bit of a turning point to the psychic of that young locker room? Like, hey, this is our time. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I think I think it just might be coincidental, the timing of it. Um, you know, I know there was a lot talked about us being young, and um, I'm a Ted Thompson disciple. That's always been a positive to me. I've never looked at it as a negative, you know. But... I think they were they were trending there, you know, at that time. Um, again, it's one thing to be getting better and and um, trending in the right direction, and it's another thing to win football games in the National Football League and put yourself in a position to go chase a championship. Um, but yeah, I do think even during that time, as tough as it was, like there were some there were some things that were moving in the right direction. Um, it did wear on me a little bit the whole young thing and is it an excuse you know and I think not only me but I think you know everyone here because we knew the kind of players we had and it was just a matter of them you know working and uh, together and getting through the kinks and getting through all the different things you have to go to Um, and I'm excited where they can take it from here Um, but again it'll, it'll start with the process. Mike, the process is, you know, obviously they're going to have some money to spend, and the question becomes what they're going to do with David Bakhtiari. The one thing that I did notice yesterday is he said, is something to the effect of David's long road to go or not close? And I don't think he's trying to throw a salvo out there to other teams that might be looking at David Bakhtiari, but uh, it, it certainly, he just kept saying, you know, he's working hard to come back. I, there was no commitment to David Bakhtiari, which we kind of figured he's not going to be returning anyway. Right. Well, you know, and David, after the first game, then he, you know, he, he, by October, he told us point blank, 
I've got to have a fourth and last surgery. It's going to be complete. It's going to be detailed. Uh, but he's probably he could actually miss all of this year and then maybe come back at 33, 34 and see if some NFL team wants him. I mean, I really think that's where that at. Apparently he's had the surgery. Uh, he just completed a fast earlier this week that he talked about on Twitter. And Goodikins, and, and as, for, as for left tackle, I think they thought that they had a left tackle in Yash Nyman. They're paying him $4 million. Well, then he got beat out. And even his offensive coordinator called him out in a, in a press conference that we had and said, yeah, I need to see this guy more competitive. And Rasheed Walker, second-year man, took over and held down that spot. So Goodikins was asked about, you know, what do you do moving forward with David Bakhtiari? Yeah, again, we're still at the very beginning stages of looking at, you know, how we're going to move forward with all that. Um, obviously, David's been through a really rough stretch with the injury stuff, and he's, been, he's going through a very major um, surgery uh, trying to get back to be able to play. So we're monitoring that. I know he's working his tail off, and, um, you know, we'll kind of, once we get down the road and see where he's at, you know, health-wise, um, we'll kind of make those decisions. Um, Mike, uh, I know that, uh, you know, there's not a whole lot on David Pacciari that I don't think we don't know. I mean, I think he's going to attempt to make a comeback. They're going to cut him loose. They're going to save a bunch of money and they're going to move on. I, I guess the next question is with some of the guys they currently have, we know that uh, he had talked really highly of, of Aaron Jones, but then there's Christian Watson who had the soft tissue injury, the hamstring stuff pretty much all season long. It looks like they're going to send some of these guys all over the place to try to figure these things out. Well, and they fired their strength and conditioning coach after right. five years, uh, Chris Gizzy, the long, former linebacker with the flag after 9-11. Yeah, I asked Goody this because LaFleur had touched on this. I said, what can you do to keep a – I mean, Christian Watson's running in the wide open field and suddenly blows out his hamstring again. What can you do to avoid these injuries for a key player like Christian Watson? Yeah, we're looking into a bunch of different things, I think, right now, not only with him, but some other players that have struggled with some of the soft tissue kind of injuries. Um, you know, sometimes I think it's just young players, you know, going to the National Football League and learning their bodies and learning what they can and can't do and how they have to train. So I think there's some, some of that going on as well. Um, there's, you know, we've seen a ton of instances where there's young players have struggled with some of those things earlier in their careers, and then they get to a point where, where they overcome it, and, and then they, they kind of get into a really good rhythm. I think Devontae was one of those guys. You know, they learn um, their, their training routines and their process individually um, that can cure some of those things. But I think we're going to look at every option we can, um, you know, not only with him but with a couple other guys because um, certainly when he's out there, he's an impactful player. Uh, he's very important to what we do. Um, and um, the more we can have him out there, obviously, the better. Well, obviously, uh, he's done a lot of right things. Jordan Love had a good season this year, and, you know, he's going to get paid, but how much money is he going to get paid, and can he do it again next year? Yeah, and then the, it's the path that Brian Goodikins has taken. It looks like he's got himself, he's building a window that could get a team under Matt LaFleur to, to a Super Bowl. And you think about four years ago, and the blank that he took for drafting Jordan Love when you had Aaron Rodgers, quote-unquote, in his prime – and now to see, you know, the way the pick that he made, how Jordan just jumped off the page second half of the season. And Goodikin said when he was this great scout and had a job for life, you know, with, with the Packers or any organization he wanted to, but, you know, he started lobbying to say, hey, when Ted steps down, I want that job. He had to compete with Elliot Wolf and guys from the outside for that job. And he said that Ted came to him, like, do you understand how hot the seat is? being the general manager, and Goody told this story. I mean, this is part of the gig. You know, I mean, I think I've told you guys before, 
you know, back in 16, 17, when I was kind of looking at some of these opportunities, you know, Ted sat, sat me down and told me and said, hey, you sure you want to do this? Like, be, before you get into this, make sure you want to do this, you know what I mean, because of all that comes with it. And I took that to heart. And, and, and again, you know, my dad was a head coach. I've been around this, you know, a long time. And um, that's that's part of this. That's part of this gig. So, and, and, you know, just because we're where we're at, we are where we're at right now doesn't mean there's not things going on that aren't, you know, tough. You know, there will be more things coming down the pipe. So. Um, just part of the gig. Let's do this uh, real quick. We'll take a break, come back, wrap it up with Mike Clemens coming up right after. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. There you go. We're off. We're heading to Vegas. Mike Clements joining us on the hotline. Grand Bill's producing the program. So, Mike, we are uh, just about, to, well, we're less than, what, 24 hours away for sure. We're about 16 hours away from landing. And uh, then next week begins. Looking forward to it. And we got the invite today. We're in the Formula One, uh, the Grand Prix Plaza. For? The media night. For- Oh, for media night, yeah, oh, yeah. No, that's Tuesday night. That looks really cool. We got, uh, we already got trash talk going on. Nick Bosa, the great defensive end for the 49ers, says he's been watching tape on the Chiefs' offensive line. He goes, yeah, they hold a lot. They hold a lot. So it's already on. It's already on. <laughs> that's going to be awesome. No, uh, so uh, we're all flying out there tomorrow, and uh, we'll, you know, we'll get our place ready where we're staying and get their desks and stuff like set up for – for uh, work, or at least I will be. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, after we uh, get into the convention center and look at where your broadcast site's going to be and everything like that for the next week, um, I want to take us to this uh, Italian place. I was going to Vegas every year some, for some radio uh, uh, annual radio awards, and I thought, I want to get some place off the strip. And I mm-hmm. go in, they got ballet parking, and Mary Jerry Tarkanian. The, the the Las Vegas basketball coach. Yes, yeah, he's yep. sit he, he's sitting there, a table by you know party of one, and I thought this is the place I wanted. Mm-hmm. So I started asking about it, like, oh yeah, he starts when you when you when you leave Allegiant Stadium and you use the GPS, it takes you down Sammy Davis Drive, then you turn on Frank Sinatra Street, then you go down Dean Martin Avenue. And then it takes you to the front door of this Piro's Italian restaurant. So I want to do that Sunday night before we get into the week of, of shows all next week from Super Bowl 58, okay? Well, it's going to be a blast. We're looking forward to it, and uh, I, I predict nothing but fun. <laughs> I mean, it's hard work, don't get me wrong. And right. we've got to stay on Milwaukee time, but, uh, but we always have a great time doing it. And then this year, it's, uh, we keep in mind that it's a, it's a TV show. And we're bringing Grant along this year? Grant is coming. Eric will be there. Kristen will be there. You'll be there. So, and we we have four bedrooms in the house and a hot tub that uh, I don't know if it can handle us all. So we'll have to be careful. All right. Well, I'll bring cash and a bond in case uh, and in case we need to bail them out. You know. Uh, okay. Whatever. You know, making it rain. Whatever the hell he's got, I got planned for his trip. There you go. There you go. See, Grant, you've got a reputation, and in some way, shape, or form, precedes you. I don't you know, know where I mean? it came from, but it seems right? I do. There you go. Mike, great stuff, and uh, we'll see you at the airport. Thank you, boys. All right, buddy. There you go. And that'll do it for us for the week. And uh, remember, 
that next week uh, it is all live in Las Vegas. But uh, starting tomorrow, follow all the social media channels because we're going to be posting a whole bunch of stuff there as well. Grant, you ready? Ready as I'll ever be, boss. There you go. We are going to be heading out to Las Vegas, and we will see all of you out there on Monday. Then don't forget, a week from tomorrow night, we're going to have everything, the best interviews, everything for the Bill Michael Show, Radio Row in Las Vegas, celebrity interviews, news analysis, getting you ready for the big game. Watch it Saturday night, 7 o'clock on My24. And until then, time for us to go. Have a good one. Hoop.